Welcome to Building Wealthy Habits, a Tricord Advisors radio program. You will recognize Randy from Retirement Unlimited, a program that has aired on our station for over 15 years. Each week on Building Wealthy Habits, your hosts discuss life's hard financial questions relating to retirement, business ownership, and losing a spouse. Randy Barkley, Jeremiah Lee, and Laura Lee are CFP certified financial planners at Tricord Advisors, and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. If you have a topic you would like them to discuss on the air or would like to connect with them about your situation, visit their website, tricordadvisors.com, or give them a call at 951-684-7011. Now, let's join the conversation on building wealthy habits. So today's question is, what should the office smell like? That's right. What should any office smell like? Someone told me that Disneyland has like fresh baked cookies pumped through the vents <laughs> so that as people walk through their downtown, it smells nice. I don't know if that's true. So I also heard that McDonald's has like their scent, the scent that you think of when I say McDonald's. I'm thinking fries. Are we talking about fries? a chemical oh. or some sort of additive. Let's just say additive um, that they have put into all their fries. So no matter if you go to a McDonald's in Tokyo, Melbourne, San Francisco, the, all the French fries smell the same. The same. So, so if yeah. anybody comes into a tricord office anywhere in the world, it's all going to stay this. We laugh. We only <laughs> have here, one office. Yeah. Yeah. Only one office. But here's another one. I'm going to throw this one in there because I thought this was really interesting. Okay. So during COVID, I happened to be working with a international cleaning products company in my mm. previous life job. <laughs> and the question at that time was... Let's say you're in the food industry. Would you, what's more beneficial to you as a business owner to have your coffee shop, cafe, restaurant smell like the yummy food mm. that you're preparing or to smell sanitary oh, and completely clean. clean? Oh, that's interesting. Because during COVID, everybody was yeah. so concerned. Kind of want a hint, hint of bleach, is that what you're Right, <laughs> contracting the virus that it oh, would actually make you feel more at ease. Coffee, cookies, and a hint of bleach is like the perfect. Oh, yeah, that right. sounds terrible. Yeah, that's right. I would think you'd want to. Smell. <laughs> for our office, you know, we you have candles or things like that. But yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. We, we, there's no more bleach. I, don't think, I diffuse it? sometimes in my office for all there those people. Some that like, oil. Yeah. Well, lots of options. We right. hope you're smelling good out there. That's right. Welcome to Building Wealthy Habits. Uh, I'm Jeremiah Lee. This is Laura Lee. Hi. We are certified financial planners. I'm also a California licensed attorney. We meet each week and we talk about uh, life's hard questions. We talk about things yeah. that might matter to someone who is looking to retire, someone who's running a business, someone who is a survivor after losing a spouse or a parent. And today we're talking about RMDs. That's not a band. Uh, yeah, or, or required minimum distributions. Um, so could be a band. It could be a band. Sounds Would like you a, be in a band? No, it's a called band. RMDs. A band. Band. Sounds hardcore. REM. Yeah. REM. Right. There you go. That's what it's going for. So I'll toss this to you. What is an RMD? An RMD is a required minimum distribution. And the way I like to describe this to a client or anyone who's talking to us about RMDs is that it applies to qualified retirement accounts. And when we use that word qualified in our industry, what we're referring to are things that were put away for investment that were not taxes were not paid on the original investment amount. 
So we talked on another podcast or uh, recording about benefits that employers provide when we're talking about retirement accounts and saving for retirement. So I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with things like 401ks or IRAs and IRA could be a simple IRA. There's lots and lots of different qualified retirement accounts. And when you hear that word qualified, what it's referring to is it's an account where you can put money away for investment and you don't have to pay taxes on it. And what happens is that money, if it's um, invested, will hopefully grow over time. And since those monies are meant for retirement, there's all sorts of rules about why you can't take that money out Mm -hmm. earlier. That's a whole separate recording to go into. But at the time that you're ready to withdraw money from that retirement account sometime in the future, it will have conceivably grown in value. And so Uncle Sam or the U.S. government says, hey, we gave you a benefit a long time ago to put away money and we didn't ask you for taxes. But now that it's grown, however many years later, we want you to start taking out that money And that's when we start paying taxes on it. So Uncle Sam won't give you a get out of jail free card. He just waits until a later time, knowing that there's probably a greater benefit. You're going to pay taxes on a higher amount that you've earned. And so required minimum distribution means that at a certain age, um, and we'll talk about that specific rule, you are forced to start taking money out of your retirement accounts. Yeah. And, and that's what it refers to. That's great. And nobody likes to be forced. Um, so what, what happens, let's jump out, what happens if they don't? I mean, uh, do they get a phone call? Right. Okay. So good question. This is not something that you want to mess around with because there is a penalty that is assessed. They call it an excise tax. Excise tax? How do I say that exactly? I, I say excise usually, excise. but yeah. I, it's I, called an excise tax. It's essentially a penalty and it's 50%. 50% of what you didn't take. So say your required minimum distribution for a year was $10,000. That's what you're supposed to take out and you fail to do it. You get audited um, mm-hmm. in a future year. They look back and say, you never took this amount. So then the penalty they'll assess is 50% of what you should have taken. Uh, it, it's a it's a hefty hefty penalty, and part of the reason and there's recent laws that they're they're changing that little bit of of how much the penalty is and how you ask for forgiveness and correct it if you missed one. That's all in the midst of being changed right now. But the the point is that the the IRS isn't actively monitoring these, but they just mm-hmm. make the penalty fairly large. So if you're being audited and you have not taken your RMDs, they're going to hit you with a pretty big stick. It's going to catch um, up to you yeah, because the fifty percent is assessed on top of the regular tax that you would have to pay. So yeah. you withdraw a thousand dollars, you owe a thirty percent tax. On top of that thirty percent tax, you'd have an additional fifty percent of the tax owed assessed on top. Yeah, of it's it. painful. So it's no small yeah. penalty. So kind of backing up a little bit, uh, you know, we're talking about the required minimum distributions. This is primarily someone who is retired and mm-hmm. in into their seventies that that age has changed a little bit, but I, I'm surprised how many clients I've met with that they didn't know this was coming. Um, yeah, that, that they're as, a little surprised by Yeah, it. and there's a, only a few places in the tax code that allow your taxes just go away. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about, hopefully I'll have a whole other po- uh, podcast on that. But mm-hmm. this, they're just delayed taxes. They're taxes that you should have paid when you were 40 or 50, but you put your money in a 401k, you put your money in some sort of a retirement account, mm-hmm. and then it's grown, it's been invested. And now you're at your retirement age and you're this RMD age and the government is saying you have to take it out and you mm-hmm. have to pay it on. 
Um, for some people who are living off these accounts, they're no big deal because you're already taking out the money. And yeah. so you're using it to live and replace your income. So it's, it's not a problem. It, it's really that group of people who um, don't need to take the money yet. Um, mm -hmm. They're living off of a pension or social security, some other income. And they say, well, I don't need an extra $30,000 this year. And we have to remind them that, you know, based on these codes, you, you actually still have to take it. Right. Whether it goes in their checking account or into just an investment, an investment account. account, et cetera. Well, let's talk about just real quick, kind of a laundry list of the accounts that this would apply to, just in case this. Oh, sure. And which ones they don't. Jars any memory. Yeah, a lot of these we're going to save a few a few numbers, and these numbers are, are references to the tax code. So for a four hundred one k, which a lot of people have, that, that's mm -hmm. a reference to IRS tax code section four hundred one. Okay. That, that's what it is. So that's one qualified. 401k is if you're a, a teacher or a government employee, you might have a 403b or a 457. 457. Those are both. Yep. And these are all accounts, just like Laura said, where the money wasn't taxed when it went into it. It usually comes out of your payroll mm -hmm. and you avoided the taxes that went in. Uh, one that we still call a qualified plan, um, but it, it, it doesn't count this way, is anything that's a Roth. So you can have a Roth 401k, you mm -hmm. can have a Roth IRA. And what the Roth means is that you paid the taxes initially. You paid yeah. it back when you were 30 or 40 or 50 years old. You paid those taxes and then you put the money in. It still is qualified in the sense that it grows tax-free. The biggest difference being when you get to retirement, because you already paid your taxes years ago, you don't have any more taxes yeah, to pay. Yeah, good point. And good you don't have any more required minimum distributions out of yeah. those accounts. So we said, yeah. let's see, we, we have a list IRAs. here. I know, we want to make sure we don't, we don't miss any. Um, IRAs, uh, SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, this would apply to all of those profit sharing plans as well. Mm. I think we, so we're talking about defined contribution plans, if that is um, kind of a term that that registers with you, different from like a pension or a defined benefit plan. Um, those are going to operate a little bit differently in terms of RMDs. And let's talk, you referenced kind of age and there has been some new, there's been some changes to the required RMD. Yeah. Age. So I printed myself out a graph. This is all really discoverable with a quick Google search. But just for our listeners who would want to know, if your if your birth year is 1950 or before, your RMDs are 72. If you are born between 1951 and 1959, your RMDs are 73. And then if you're born 1960 or later. You don't have to start your RMDs until age 75. Yeah. And that's a fairly recent change. Uh, it used to be 70 and a half. And people who are already retired, already taking RMDs might remember that number. But mm -hmm. when, I when I turned 70 and a half, I had to take them. The, the government moved it to 72 and now they moved it to 75. But mm -hmm. those years in the, the late 50s, those are the kind of the, the bubble years they're adjusted. So mm -hmm. we're, we're both 80s children. And so we are in the, in the 75 years old. Uh, category once we get there. But yeah. You can still take the money and we'd be able to take the money sooner than that, of course, whenever you need it. Yeah. However, you don't have to start taking out of the account until 70. Yeah, generally 59 and a half is kind of a magic year in terms of uh, being able to access retirement monies. Generally 59 and a half without penalty. There's a lot of other um, caveats to that, uh, other options in terms of when to withdraw. So, okay, so I'm forced to take an RMD. Um, for better or for worse, um, what, what, do I have to pay taxes now? And if so, how much? Yeah, that's right. So the, I guess in answering that, the question is, is how much is your RMD going to be? Because mm -hmm. um, it's going to come out to you like it's income. So if I had an investment account and I get a $10,000 RMD, 
they're going to treat that. The IRS will treat that as if I earned it. That was my income. I got $10,000 of income. So whatever tax bracket you're in, it's going to be $10,000 more. You just add it on. Mm -hmm. And if that bumps you to the next tax bracket, that bumps you up and you have to pay that that rate of taxes on there. Um, And the amount that comes out um, when we first start talking with with clients that weren't aware of it, they then say, well, how much is that going to be? I need this money for my future. When you first turn required minimum distribution age, um, the IRS is a whole actuarial table of how much you have to take, but it, it starts at about 4% of an account. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the table they use goes all the way up to 120 years old. So if someone lived mm-hmm. to 120, they have to you know, empty their whole account. I think that's a handy rule of thumb. So just to repeat, it, generally speaking, the RMD will be about 4% of the value of the account. Of the account, yeah. And the way they calculate that is they take the December 31st, they look at the mm-hmm. end of the year, whatever the balance was, whatever the balance of your account is, they look at that, they do the calculation, and then that's the amount sometime in the following year you have to take out at some point. Even if that account goes up and down throughout the year, it's that one kind of locked in time moment that they, they kind of mm-hmm. set for you. Mm-hmm. And that's what determines the, the next year's required minimum distribution. And mm-hmm. anyone who's is looking at this, it, if you have multiple accounts, multiple um, IRAs, 401ks, they're gonna, the IRS will combine all those together. They'll look at all the different accounts. And you could take the, the RMD from one account only you could take it from multiple accounts if you wanted to, proportionally from each one. There's a lot of freedom in how you do it. Mm-hmm. What they care about is kind of your total retirement assets and that are subject to this RMD, and then that make sure that you got that amount out mm-hmm. at some point. And they mm-hmm. can be you can be taxed on it. So that's a good point. It could be more complex depending on the number of accounts. So let's say you've had multiple employers and you've retained those qualified retirement monies within whatever account you had with that employer. So you could potentially have RMDs that are paid or owed, I guess, from multiple accounts. But what Jeremiah was saying is they really look at it holistically. So they look at your total qualified retirement monies, and then they look at the total that needs to be paid out as RMD. If that's paid out of just one of the accounts, that's okay. Yeah. Is that right? And you have to do the math. We have a, a client that we've worked with that has a number of annuities. Um, that are within an IRA, so they're mm-hmm. they're qualified, they're subject to RMDs, and they also have a couple of outside accounts. So we have multiple accounts that all need to be added up together. And for this client specifically, we're not having any income come out of the annuities because of just the, mm-hmm. the nature of them. We, we want them to grow the way they are. Mm-hmm. And so every year we have to not only calculate the, the funds that we're managing directly, but also look at the uh, annuity balances and add those together to find out mm-hmm. what his actual RMD is going to be. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's part of as you go through you know finances of um, you know everyone's life is a little bit different, some are more complex. And part of what we do as holistic financial advisors is we try and look at all of it. We try and look mm-hmm. at the things that are simple that someone might be able to do on their own. We also look at the things that are more complex that you would need to do a fair amount of a math and understanding to to consolidate all the accounts, determine the exact amount that needs to get mm-hmm. paid out, and then to make sure it actually gets paid. We, we do a check at the end of every year in November um, with all of our clients to make sure that everyone's received everything they have to take out. And we've had a number mm-hmm. where they were short or they used the wrong number or something. Um, when we're controlling it, it makes it very easy that we can send the right. money out to them on a real smooth basis. Right. Because if you're short, you got to settle up in some way. But I think too, what we do from a planning perspective is look at what the household expenses are on an annual basis. And we have some clients that are waiting. They're in anticipation of their RMDs. That's going to help subsidize their household expenses in a needed way. We've got other clients that maybe don't need the income that's being given to them from their distribution. Mm-hmm. And so 
they may take the distribution, pay the taxes as earned income in that year, but roll it over into an investment account and uh, for long-term growth. So it really depends on the household situation. Yeah, what they need. Yeah. Yeah, another option that we'll have a number of our clients we talk through this is if they don't need the money, you know, they, they say they have $10,000 coming out, rather than it go into their checking or their investment accounts and just grow into the future, if they're charitably, charitably minded, you can do what's called a, a qualified charitable distribution. Mm. So you take what was your required minimum distribution, you basically convert it into a charitably qualified or qualified charitable distribution, and you basically just send it to a charity. And so what that does, instead of having your income bump up that year for tax purposes, it keeps your income at that original level and just redirects those funds. And those funds flow into whatever charity um, you find appropriate. Well, that's a really interesting tax planning strategy. Yeah. So qualified charitable... Contribution, distribution. contribution or distribution. Say that five times. Yeah, that's fast. right. It's a hard one. But that's a way basically to receive your RMD and not impact your earned income for yeah. the year or lessen the impact yeah. to your earned income. Could you just do a portion of your distribution? You can. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not an all or nothing. It's just a portion. And the, the reason that people would do that rather than just taking the money and then making a contribution separately is it has to do with your your AGI that's getting in the weeds a little bit. Mm -hmm. But adjusted your, gross for income. taxes, your adjusted gross income impacts your Medicare premiums. It impacts a number of things. And when the money comes in out as a required minimum distribution, it bumps up your income for the year. And then that mm -hmm. spins all sorts of other tax items. You know, 7% of AGI is what you can run yeah. out for medical. You know, all, yeah. all those different items get boosted up a bit. Whereas if you use your qualified charitable distribution to go directly to the charity, it skips out on your AGI yep. and it leaves at a lower level. So some of those other factors may benefit your taxes. Right. It's, it comes off above the line is what right. a lot of, I guess, common vernacular, it comes yeah. off above before adjusted gross income. Yeah. So it's a great one that we coordinate with uh, CPAs and accountants um, and it kind of doing that that larger planning, not just a year to year, but say over the next five years, we know I have you know distributions I have to take out. I also know I'm charitably minded. I also know I don't need the money. You know, all those work together um, to kind of get you to mm -hmm. a, a position of uh, something that you're you're excited about. Now, we talked about the penalty. What if I just am first hearing about this and I didn't even know I had to take RMDs and I wasn't meaning to yeah. do anything wrong, Yeah. but I need to catch up a little bit. Um, what's going to happen to me? Like, do I have to call the IRS and apologize? Yeah, or kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you kind of have to fall on your sword. Forgiveness? So there's uh, <laughs> some concerns and some mix up with a different, a few types of, of RMDs. And, you know, in the midst of COVID, they gave you some, some, um, uh, relief from this yeah, requirement. Yeah, There's some, some leniency yeah. a little bit. And then yeah. uh, for inherited IRAs, which we'll talk about in a little bit, those ones, they, they have some very confusing rules that came out. And uh, because of that, they gave 2021, 2022, they gave some a free pass to a lot of people. Well, mm -hmm. coming into 2023, which is last year, now we're into 2024, um, the laws have, have been updated and the, the penalties can be less if you fall on your sword. If you basically say, oh, I didn't take this, I was supposed Honest to. mistake. Yep, and we'll take it now. Uh, and you have your CPA, your accountant file some paperwork for you that alerts the IRS that says, we, we forgot to take it, but we're doing it now. And I think the penalties are down to even 10% of, of uh, not the account balance, but 10% of, of what you're supposed mm. to do. So it's, it's they've made it a much honest, easier, yeah. yeah, to be honest and just fall on your sword. So if you're not sure if this is brand new information to you, it, it's highly advisable you go work with your tax professional to get this mm -hmm. taken care of. Uh, mm -hmm. And then going forward, you'll be able, be able to be on a regular basis. But They've, they've changed the rules recently that if you've made a mistake, you can, you can go back and fix it, um, and it's advisable to do so. 
So I've got another case scenario. We've had a few clients that have run into this, but what if there's a, a death in the family, either of a spouse or a parent? And what happens then? Say that dad was taking RMDs and he was earning $1,000 a, a year, nominal amount or a great amount. What happens to that RMD? Yeah. Can it be inherited? Can it be passed down? So interesting. And it's, it's different even when I do estate plan with clients, thinking differently about you know the investment they, account they have with, you know, say, $100,000 in it mm-hmm. and the, the 401k retirement. that they have $100,000 in it how it's going to transfer and the ultimate recipient of that, what they're going to get. Because one of those mm-hmm. is taxable when it comes out and one of those isn't. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic. But in your comment, so if it's a, if a spouse that passes away, mm-hmm. the surviving spouse can basically take on the, the account as their own. They can convert it to their life expectancy. They can, they can run with it. Where the Which laws- is a benefit because, just to pause there, the, the calculation that the government imposes for RMDs, it it takes into account your age. Your age. So let's say your spouse was older than you. If that RMD is now inherited by the uh, surviving spouse, Mm -hmm. they can alter the RMD according to their age, right? So they can extend it essentially, assuming that they were younger than the spouse that passed away. And and getting to do it over the course of your entire life is is meaningful and helpful for most everyone. You Mm -hmm. know, someone in their 70s, you know, has a number of years ahead of them and they can stretch out those distributions. What you don't want to happen, which the law now does at times, mm-hmm. is to take that whole account and in one year just flood it into someone's uh, income. That is going to trigger often for people into a much higher tax bracket. And the law doesn't require one year, but it feels like that to a lot of people mm-hmm. when it gets compressed. So between spouses, the laws have not changed a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You can inherit from one to the other and then readjust to that survivor's life expectancy. But when it passes from generation to generation, there's been some major differences. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be years ago that the inheriting child, we'll just say a daughter in this case, inherits the parent's account. That daughter used to be able to stretch it over their lifetime. So the daughter may be in her 50s, mm-hmm. meaning I have to take very little now and I can let this account grow and grow and grow for a number of years in the future. Mm-hmm. It's no longer the case. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at best, you're going to get 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, the way, at worst, depending how you've structured things, it could be five years. Mm-hmm. But for most people, it's going to be 10 years that they'll receive that account. And what they have to do is they have to empty the account, meaning convert all of that to taxable funds mm-hmm. uh, within that 10-year period. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of confusion of where you had to do it a little bit either every year, whether you could do it all at the end. The IRS mm-hmm. has kind of settled on the idea that if, if the individual who passed away was already taking mm-hmm. their RMDs, then whoever inherits that account, even if they're younger, has to continue taking RMDs. It's like the clock has started and it doesn't pause even at yep. the point of death. Again, this is just for multi-generation, so not between spouses, but for the next generation. So once the clock starts on RMDs, they say it has to be completed within 10 years time yep. and that's time stamped. Yep, and then the, the RMD will adjust, the amount of it will adjust based on the person who's receiving it, their age, uh, but it still has that. So there's a number of clients that we've worked with that inherit a, a fairly large account from their parents, mm-hmm. but the they're still in their working years but one specifically they were they're in the midst of their highest earning years and then you're retired and they're looking at this account saying i have to take this out in 10 years that's going to you know my add to my income meaningfully shift. Yeah. and all my inheritance they felt was just going to disappear into taxes and so for them they had worked out they had five or six years where they planned to work and then mm-hmm. you know if that if that 10-year window that means they have four or five years on the, on the back end where they'll be retired so the way we've structured it is that they'll work and then once they retire 
they'll start taking larger RMD mm-hmm. uh, distributions to kind of mm-hmm. even everything out. Right, because it's only a minimum. It's just a required minimum amount. It doesn't mean you can't take yeah. more than that. And of course, in the case of having to liquidate the account within 10 years, you're you're probably going to have to take more take than the more. minimum. Yeah, but right. what you're saying is you've got some flexibility. Now, what if I was on the opposite end where I actually needed the income yeah. and I inherited this this account could I take it all at once or do I have to span it out? Yeah, great question. You could take it all at once. Okay. And if you needed to, you know, that, that would be fine. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's available money useful for that. Often people want to split it at least into two years um, mm-hmm. just to avoid themselves being pushed into higher and higher tax brackets, depending on mm-hmm. the amount. Mm-hmm. If someone inherits an account from their parents and there was $10,000 left in it, well, then to take that in one year and distribute it to themselves, is probably not going to push them into meaningfully higher tax brackets. Mm-hmm. But if that account was three hundred thousand or four hundred thousand, and they were to take that in one year, that's going to massively push up their mm-hmm. earned income for the year. And now, their, could and their taxes. the beneficiary do that same sort of tax strategy in terms of taking the RMDs but doing the charitable uh, distribution? Could they also do that as oh, that's well? That's a good question. I don't believe so. I'd have to look into that and. If you have that question, we should you know find that one with the, with the advice. But yeah, I, I don't believe that the, the things are different with a inherited IRAs. I don't believe you can do the charitable um, qualified charitable distribution, but we should double check that. Yeah. But the other one that's also interesting is we have a number of clients who work with what's called a donor advised fund, mm. and you can direct you know money into that for tax purposes. Anything coming out of a inherited IRA or even just your regular investment account, they can't go into your own donor advised fund. Mm. Uh, there's a little bit of a gap there, and mm-hmm. um, that. In the future, maybe that will change. I think that'd be a good planning strategy. But right now, that that doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's not a functional way to do it. So, so that well, our time is kind of wrapping up. Yeah, for we've today. been in the weeds a little bit. I apologize for some of that, but yeah. this is a lot of really important information that, mm-hmm. as people look at RMDs, required minimum distributions, it's meaningful to your retirement to have a good understanding of what this will do for you. Yeah, and so um, if you need assistance, if you have any questions, a lot of the work that we do is coming alongside our clients to be their best ally for their future. And part of that includes having a summary of your RMDs, making sure they're distributed appropriately without penalty in the right timing. So um, if if these are questions or or, uh, subject matter that applies to you, if you have any questions, feel free to send them in to... um, to our office. We're here at Tricord Advisors. You can visit us on the on our website, tricordadvisors.com. Uh, but for today, we thank you for listening in. This is Building Wealthy Habits. And uh, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent. California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm.